Welcome to the Fitness Nerdcast. I'm your co-host Ryan Smith with fellow coach Stephanie Holbrook, where we get a chance to geek out on all things fitness and bring it to you. First off, things presented here are our opinions developed with over 40 years of combined experience. We are not medical doctors and any information presented here is purely informational. If you'd be interested in working with us, please email us at fitnessnerdspodcast at gmail.com or hop over to our website and blog at fitnessnerdspodcast.com. While you're online, don't forget to rate us on iTunes and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fitnessnerdspodcast. Now on with the show. Hey, and welcome back to the Fitness Nerds Podcast. This is your co-host, Ryan Smith, and we're here on a special interview day. So um, just wanted to take a moment and introduce our special guest. His name is Dom Diagostino. Is I pronounce that correct? That's right. All yeah, right. Dominic. Dom, yep. Okay. And uh, he's an expert on ketosis. So we've talked about this in some of the previous podcasts, um, but it's on ketosis and metabolic therapies. Um, he networks with a lot of people in the in the fitness community, whether it be endurance athletes, uh, bodybuilding. Um, he's been on a bunch of podcasts as well, but he's presented at TEDx, and later this year he'll also be presenting at the Dave Asprey Bulletproof Conference in September. And I guess he kind of got into ketosis originally, looking at it from a nutritional standpoint, from uh, dealing with seizures from the Charlie Foundation, right? Yeah, they that sparked my interest in this journey. Okay. You know, and looking at nutritional ketosis and ways to to produce that without necessarily the, the extreme carbohydrate restriction. Right. And if I am remembering correctly as far as the Charlie Foundation that comes out of the military and deals with divers and seals and things, is that correct? Yeah, that's a you know an Office of Navy Research funded project, and the idea behind that project or the goal is to develop a, a mitigation strategy for what's called CNS oxygen toxicity, or toxicity in the central nervous system from breathing oxygen at hyperbaric pressure, uh, which they do with a closed circuit rebreather. Right. It's an advanced kind of diving system. Uh, has many advantages, but one major disadvantage is the oxygen toxicity. So there's no way to predict it or prevent it. So uh, the nutritional ketosis appears to be the most effective way to prevent these types of seizures. And if we can produce that with a supplement, which we are working on now and got some good results on, that can be a breakthrough for that, but also have applications for many other things, especially in the performance field. Because uh, ketones, they do function as an alternative fuel and can have the potential to enhance exercise performance and cognitive performance too. Very cool. And that, that's definitely, I know, an area that we want to talk to. And obviously, you don't get much more higher performing individuals than Navy SEALs and, you know, all the, uh, a lot of the elite level military soldiers. So. Very cool. That's so, right. mm -hmm. and I guess that kind of then plays over into our uh, into our world of athletes, um, which I know you kind of 
consult with and delve into as well. And then I guess your, uh, I didn't really mention it there, but I guess your, your main by day job is that you're an assistant professor at the University of Southern Florida, right? Yes, South Florida. South yeah. Florida. Okay. Yep. Uh, the College of Medicine here, Department of Molecular Pharmacology and Physiology. So, uh, representing my department. Yeah. So I, I come from a more of a pharmacology based background, uh, but I, I understood early on really that nutrition is you know uh, kind of the, the best medicine and uh, it can have major advantages over drug based therapies. So I'm looking at ways to exploit that through nutrition exclusively, but also supplementation, specific types of supplementation that can, uh, you know, work through a metabolic mechanism. All right. So I guess uh, from a diving in, then what really is ketosis then? And, you know, so yeah. some of our people that are <clears throat> more, you know, unaware of what true ketosis is, they've heard paleo diet, they've heard, you know, the Atkins diet, they've heard all these different things. So what really is ketosis within the human body, I guess? Yeah, so the really the most basic form that we've probably evolved to is starvation ketosis or prolonged fasting, which undoubtedly occurred throughout the evolution of the human species, you know, and uh, so there was probably periods and there are nowadays where there's an absence of food and our brain in a typical diet, our brain relies almost 100% off glucose. And if that glucose is not available through the food supply, uh, we start mobilizing fatty acids for fuel from our body. And those, those fats are incredible energy source that we can, you know, are great for performance athletes, endurance athletes. But fatty acids don't readily cross the blood-brain barrier very well. Uh, so our body converts these fatty acids to ketone molecules. And you can think of them as more or less like water-soluble fat molecules. Okay. It's, you know, a little more complicated than that. But they, the, the advantage is that they can cross the blood-brain barrier and they feed our brain energy uh, a high, uh, a very a super fuel, if you will a very energetically dense source of energy that our heart can function optimally off too, and, and our muscles. So that would be fasting level or prolonged fasting or starvation ketosis, and it has many advantages for the species. Mm -hmm. The ketogenic diet restricts carbohydrates and mim mimics many aspects of fasting, and uh, it mimics the effect of supplying the brain with ketones as an energy source. Okay. And by doing that, it has a neuroprotective effect, but it also can enhance brain energy metabolism, we think. Uh, so nutritional ketosis can only be achieved with really strict carbohydrate restriction okay. and, and a high-fat diet. So there are drawbacks to this kind of diet, which produces a lifestyle uh, that, that's kind of inflexible. In mm -hmm. uh, looking at the literature, no one will disagree, even a neurologist, that the ketogenic diet is effective when most drugs fail. So it seems to be the most effective, one of the most effective things out there for seizures, even seizures from a variety of different etiologies. Uh, I'm interested in producing nutritional ketosis, and by definition, ketosis is an elevation of blood ketones, which may not be achieved with uh, with a paleo diet 
because carbohydrates may not be restricted enough. And the Atkins diet typically has too much protein in it to achieve what is known as therapeutic ketosis. Okay. Uh, in some cases, a modified Atkins is, it actually can be very effective for seizure control. Okay. Uh, I'm interested in, in being able to produce ketosis independent of macronutrient composition of the diet. So you take a supplement. The idea is that the idea that, that I had originally was a, a warfighter could take a supplement and you know and within 10, 15 minutes be in a level of ketosis that would take 24 to 48 hours to achieve. Okay. And so to develop something like that and then the person would stay into nutritional ketosis for hours on end, you know, and throughout the duration of the mission, whether it be diving or, or what have you. Uh, and that this would not only prevent seizures, but would optimize the warfighter's performance, and we're mostly talking about Navy SEALs because they use a closed-circuit breather, right. would optimize their, their physical performance as far as, you know, uh, energy output and energy efficiency, and, and also their cognitive performance. And, and being able to maintain that performance under environmental extremes, and this could be the hyperbaric environment, the undersea environment, a hypobaric hypoxia environment at altitude. Many of these guys have to go up into the hills and, you know, and, and fight against people who are already acclimated to the, the hypoxia of, of the altitude. And just under periods of where food is not available to them. Right. Uh, Carbohydrate-based diet, if you lack food for, you know, after 10, 12 hours, you get really hungry and your performance goes down sharply. Right. If your body is adapted to ketones and, and fat adapted, that performance can be maintained. So exploiting this, exploiting the body's ability to use fatty acids and ketones as a source of energy has major advantages for uh, U.S. military personnel, especially special ops guys. And I think that you know only in the recent years has kind of the performance guys like you mm -hmm. caught on to this and say wow you know this is something that we can exploit we can we can you know biohack <laughs> this this technology and or these ideas even and uh, to our advantage and in the field and, and that's become an area of interest to many people who are really pushing the limits right in performance yeah so, yeah, so if we look at, I mean, and I know there's, you know, lots of those. So if you, Jeff Volick is obviously a big name in the, you know, yeah. the high fat, the low carbohydrate type of uh, type of training for endurance athletes as well as Bob Bar and all, you know, there's uh -huh. lots of them that are out there, um, you know, that familiar with and have talked to a lot of them, obviously, with Ben. You've been on Ben's podcast as well, who did an yeah. Ironman on almost strictly in ketosis uh, in a mm -hmm. nine-hour Ironman, so pretty amazing results in a ketotic state. Yeah. So um, yeah, so I can definitely see where the you know the correlation comes from military on into our uh, you know coming into our endurance and our and I guess not even just endurance, but really any sports platform. Yeah, I I think from a ketosis point of view, we're doing some studies with resistance trainers now, and I don't want to kind of give away all the, the results, but uh, with high intensity training, like a Wingate test or, mm -hmm. uh, or, or uh, you know, bodybuilding or powerlifting type things, I think carbohydrates can be 
you know, leveraged, if you will, in this scenario where you're probably familiar with Kiefer's car backloading sort mm-hmm. of thing. And I think these things can be can be done, minimal amount of carbohydrates can be consumed in and around the workout to take advantage of the anti-catabolic and anabolic properties of insulin. Um, so and when I'm talking about carb backloading, I'm talking about, uh, you know, 25, 50 grams of carbs. I okay. think, and, and depending on the output of the athlete, that, that can be done. And they can be in ketosis throughout the next day and just add carbs in around intra-workout or immediately after. Um, so we're interested in, in doing some of these studies too. Uh, so, but when it comes to endurance, uh, marathons, triathletes, runners, being in a state of ketosis offers many advantages, uh, I, I think. Uh, you know, and, and for bodybuilding, obviously, the body composition alterations with right. ketosis cannot be denied. And fat loss is – fatty acid oxidation is much higher. Sure. And that's been shown in, in many studies. Right. Uh, so, so you can you – can, and fat is more satiating and the advantage, you know, when you're in a situation where you have to lose body weight, if you need to make uh, a certain uh, weight for wrestling or uh, some kind of performance event, even powerlifting – the ketogenic diet is probably superior for the retention of your strength and muscle than a calorie-restricted carbohydrate-based diet. Um, that is my opinion. I think many people argue this or debate this, but we that's my opinion from guys that I've, I've worked with. And I think the science, you got to, in a couple months, uh, the science will also right. support that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I can, and I can definitely see that. I mean, I've always used the analogy with people of that, you know, you can't with severe caloric restriction. It's like, you know, trying to drive from where I'm here in the Cincinnati area out to California on a half a tank of gas, right? It's just yeah. not going to happen. You're going to run out of energy at some point in time if you're just loading up with those carbs yep. or just, you know, completely, you know, out of energy. And whenever mm-hmm. you've got that, and, you know, and I've, I've heard it said that, you know, even some of the leanest athletes still carry that 30 to 40,000 calories, although I'm not a fan of the, the whole calorie counting thing. It's, there's still a lot of fat that's within our body for us to be able to utilize for mm-hmm. a long endurance period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm kind of for I'm, as a scientist, I like numbers. Sure. So counting, you know, grams of macronutrients and adjusting ratios and things, and having put putting in you know, the numbers in something like MyFitnessPal or, or whatever right. is a good way to understand your body and and our calorie needs can vary day to day. Even doing the same the same thing, I mean, you could, your your body weight can fluctuate. On some days, I'm just running hot. On other days. You know, uh, you, you know. I, I feel like your your body has rhythms that we don't fully understand yet, right. and it's something that I'm interested in understanding. But um, I do. Some people are kind of like don't count calories at all, and other people are like you need to count every macronutrient, gram of macronutrient. I'm somewhere in between. I think you need a rough estimate. Right. to really get a handle on what works best for you right. and understanding your physiology. Yeah, and I, I can definitely agree, but there's also, you know, just the normal law of thermodynamics that most people try to claim with, with the human body just doesn't work. There's so much from a yeah. micronutrient, from a mitochondrial, from so many different aspects of the body that, you know, what the brain uses and what the body uses are, it just doesn't equate out like most people think yeah. that it does. 
You could take two people that are almost identical on paper and have one person on a, on a diet that's tolerating, you know, 400 grams of carbs, no problem, and another person who just becomes insulin resistant off like 100 grams of carbs a day. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like it's very, I've seen it, and, and they're like visually identical people as far as body composition and performance and things like that. So there are these genetic variations in our ability to, uh, in, our, in our metabolism right. that we need to appreciate and understand. Mm-hmm. And know, through true. self-experimentation, I think it's the best way. Yeah, and it truly is an N equals one experiment for each one of us, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's where the, the research, we've got to have large numbers for research to prove that something is working, but at the same time is what's working from you for you on an individual basis, right? Yeah. So yeah. I think that's where there's a lot of disparaging comments about the ketogenic diets and paleo or the low-carb, high-fat. So I guess... You know, there's all those different types of diets. So what would you kind of say are, what is the difference between a, just a a ketogenic diet, a low carb, high fat diet, and a paleo type diet? Okay. Well, I define a ketogenic diet, if you're going to use the term, if someone says they're on a ketogenic diet, people will tell me I'm on a ketogenic diet and it just didn't work. I just didn't, I felt like crap or whatever. And I asked them, and now, did you measure ketones? And they almost always didn't measure ketones. Right. <laughs> so a ketogenic diet is, by definition, one that elevates and sustains, you know, ketone levels. And the best way to do that is with a blood meter, you know, like a little meter I have here. Or, you know, experimenting with uh, this ketonics mm-hmm. unit here that measures breath acetone. Okay. And I'm actually, you know, kind of conversing with the... The, uh, uh, create, uh, the guy who created that system and, and he's modifying it in a way that it's be starting to become semi-quantitative and more quantitative and I think it could be a useful non-invasive uh, method to monitor you on a ketogenic diet. Right. And so staying in ketosis, you then get the benefits of the ketogenic diet. Now with the a low-carb diet, doesn't necessarily keep you in ketosis because many people find that they overeat protein and protein can kick you out of ketosis. So, and protein can also release insulin, which causes hypoglycemia. And if you're hypoglycemic without elevated ketones, you're going to get hungry and you're going to kind of have fluctuations in your energy and your mood and things like that. So stabilizing your energy levels and your, your, your brain metabolism. Keeping your brain happy is a lot easier to do if you maintain your ketone levels high and keep and keep not high, I mean one millimolar, you know, is basically high and you can measure that with a blood test. Right. It will make dieting much easier. And it's also an indication, your ketone levels are an indication that you're oxidizing fat for fuel. And that's probably the most important thing, you know, whether you're trying to change your, your, your body composition and most people are trying to lose fat, right. or you're trying to maximize your ability to oxidize fatty acids for an endurance event. So if you stay in ketosis, you're essentially kicking on a genetic program, if you will, in your body that's producing epigenetic changes over time that's maximizing your body's ability to derive energy from fat. And, and you know, in, in Jeff Bullock's work, he puts people on treadmills and looks at their respiratory quotient and fatty acid oxidation is literally off the charts. It's right. like beyond anything ever recorded. Now, a paleo diet 
largely, you know, never achieves that unless they're really training, you know, very hard. Right. Prolonged training will produce exercise-induced ketosis, which basically depletes your carbohydrate stores, glycogen, and you go into, you have this post-exercise ketosis. Uh, a lot of guys report to me that the, they, they do get into ketosis and they restrict carbohydrates enough. Uh, so it all comes down to the level of carbohydrate restriction and, and to some degree protein. You need to moderate protein to do that. And it's like, well, what are you going to eat? You got to eat fat. You right. got to increase fat until at least 50% of your calories should be coming from fat. Uh, upwards, I mean, my, my intake is about 75 to 80% of my calories are from fat. Mm-hmm. And that makes me feel good. I haven't eaten anything since breakfast, so we're going on like ten hours here, and I have plenty of energy. Right. <laughs> and that would have ne- that can't that's not even a possibility on a carbohydrate based diet. Right. When you get hungry on a carb based diet, it's almost like a crisis. Like you start looking for food, you get irritable. I got to eat, and uh, I don't like that feeling. So, right. I like <laughs> absolutely, and I'm the same yeah. way. So I'm a I'm a big fan of. I drink bulletproof coffee pretty much every single morning so I've got the brain octane so I'm using the MCT so you know that type of where I just don't get hungry and it's just I feel great and it's like you know I'll go yeah till you know 12 1 2 o'clock in the afternoon before I'm eating anything again and it's kind of like well I can eat I'm not starving typically now I know if I eat something that's higher in carbs then I'm just it's like it's like two hours later I'm going oh my god I'm just you know, I yeah. just can't get enough. It's like, I just want to keep eating and eating and eating. Yeah, you get hungry. Yep. Yeah. So uh, so you kind of mentioned that 75, 80, you know, so a lot of times I'll, I'll be talking with people about, you know, trying to keep get their fat up there as far as that, you know, 70 to 80% as well whenever I'm working with, with clients. Mm-hmm. And obviously this is such a paradigm shift for them. Mm-hmm. You know, where most mm-hmm. of them, they just can't even imagine having fat and they don't understand how, good quality fats just they don't make you fat and it's actually actually allows us to use fat more so um i guess from that standpoint how do you how do you work with people and how do you talk to people about hey this is this really is this is such a paradigm shift but this is really the way you need to that would be a good way for you to burn fats and kind of take over Mm -hmm. well in my approach is, you know, send them research papers, but that doesn't always work with people. Right. Uh, uh, you know, I do, I make it mandatory reading for my students to read, like Jeff Volek's The Art and Science of Low Carbohydrate Performance. Mm-hmm. I think that's good. I will send them, you know, links to different websites that I think are helpful. Ketogenic Diet Resource by Ellen Davis is a great place to get started. Just some basic understanding of the ketogenic diet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... You know, uh, and they'll have to take the time to, to understand, you know, uh, the benefits. And, and it's it, it it's definitely flies in the face of what many, many people are taught. Right. So therein lies the problem. Uh, but it, in a way, being a ketogenic diet researcher, it almost makes it fun, I guess, in a way, because... You are stepping outside the box, and right. you you have to. It sharpens your 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 intellect in a way because you have to defend yourself. I have to defend myself to do the kind of research I'm doing. Right. You know, using a high fat diet, you know, to to metabolically manage cancer to, or seizures or something like that. And mm-hmm. and I feel you know when I present to a mainstream conventional 
clinicians or whatever, they a lot of hands go up after my talk and be like, well, you know, you're you're managing seizures, but you're going to give the person a heart attack, and you know, I get comments like this. So I have to direct them to the literature, and I think there are a lot of good resources out there. Uh, and I put some of them on the website, ketonutrition.org. Uh, it's just a very basic just website that I compile information on, but uh, a lot of good books to get started. Keto Clarity is a book that's put out by Jimmy Moore, yeah. and I recently contributed to that. Uh, I think that's a really – I just read it, actually, and I, I contributed some, some quotes to it. And uh, in a recent travel, I, just, I took it with me and, and read the book, and as I thought, wow, this is a great resource, this Keto Clarity book. Uh, it's also by Eric Westman from Duke University. Put together a great guide. I mean, you can read it in like two, three hours, no problem, and it gives you a firm foundation of the benefits of ketosis, from weight loss to, you know, uh, I don't know, diseases to performance, and it covers a lot. It covers a lot of territory. Right. Yeah. So, giving a person something like this, and something that's reader friendly, or you know, in, in layman's terms, can can really make an impact. And then, if they're curious enough, they'll delve into it a little bit more and if you convince them hey you can eat fat you can have butter you can have you know i make keto ice cream and, and i have sour cream and you know mm-hmm. sugar-free dark chocolate these are all things that i eat and bacon even and right. if you kind of i sell it like that i was like well this is what i eat this is my blood work before mm-hmm. you know this is i've been able to you know essentially retain my my strength and a lot of most of my muscle and eat all, even off low calories and I have a lot of energy. So the main thing is that if you have a lot of energy, that's a good index that what you're doing is, is working. Mm-hmm. And if people are, have poor energy throughout the day, then I would question whatever nutritional methodology they've adopted and are using. So Exactly. I mean, if you look at the nutrition mentality of our country and look what it's done for us, right? So, yeah. But, and, I'm, and I'm sure that in many ways you're obviously not – popular with the uh, pharmaceutical world as well, because here we are taking care of things from a nutritional standpoint, which is really kind of, you know, I think the way we should take care of our health anyway is let's, let's prevent things versus put the band-aids on them after, the, after we've already got there. But, you know, they're also in the business of making money and you're mm-hmm. in the business of researching the truth. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot. You know, if they came up, came out with a drug that cured cancer, there'd be a lot of unhappy people. Major right. universities would lose millions, if not billions, of dollars, and a lot of people would be out of jobs. So, right. uh, it's it's sort of an industry. You know, I, I'm not going to challenge that industry. I, I think there are certain cancers even that that respond quite well to uh, to like blood cancers and lymphomas and things like that. But I've gotten some pushback, you mm-hmm. know, from pharmaceutical based researchers that see what I'm doing and uh, I don't I just think it's important to do the research and get the information out there and patients whether they be a type 2 diabetes patient or seizure patient or cancer patient they just understand that it's a viable alternative or that science has shown that this is a viable therapeutic option that they should be given you know that option, their doctor should acknowledge this, and uh, that's the therapy, especially if the side effect profile is, is really low or non existent. So, and I think one way to settle it is that you could say, hey, this could enhance the efficacy or act as an adjuvant to an existing pharmacological 
therapy. So it may help the therapy, you know, work better, do its intended thing by putting the body into a more sensitive state. Sure. And then, so how does, I guess, nutritional quality come into play with a ketogenic diet though too? Yeah, that's another area of debate, you know, with GMO foods and, mm-hmm. you know, grass-fed beef versus, you know, corn-fed. And uh, I always go, you know, I grew up farming. So I, I grew up actually growing the Monsanto, you know, products. And, and uh, so I have an appreciation for uh, organic farming and, and using uh, natural approaches to farming because I know it's it's more difficult and it's more costly and I try to choose options in that direction. I don't I'm not kind of super fanatical, but right. I do go out of my way to to buy you know more grass fed natural type products, grass fed butter, mm-hmm. things like that. Uh, I I tell people that to do it because it's food quality is sure. is really important. Uh, the fatty acid profile of the meat or eggs that you're eating is largely determined by what the animal ate. And what the animal ate uh, is eating is largely dependent upon the conditions that it's maintained in. And I think from an ethical standpoint, we have an obligation to choose products uh, that are, uh, to the best we can, choose products uh, meat products from from animals that were raised in the most ethically, you know, if we're, if we're going to eat <laughs> right products, yeah. so I, I do get let them be as natural as possible. Vegans. Yeah, vegans that contact me, they want to do the ketogenic diet, and I really have an appreciation for the the, the vegan lifestyle, and and, and uh, but vegans, you know, I, I get some vegans try to turn me on to that lifestyle too, and they kind of defend it, you know, in a way, and I can appreciate that, uh, but, uh, it's, it's, I'm moving more in, into that direction and eating less meat and kind of shifted away from meat and eating oh, mostly fish, actually a, a lot of fish and, and erring towards plant-based proteins and actually looking into things like insect proteins, okay, yep. <laughs> which, which are something that I'm interested in. Uh, so just, just to answer your question, I think people do need to acknowledge where their food is coming from and should make, you know, uh, choices to pick the food that has the highest nutrient profile and we're mm-hmm. kind of done through farming methods that are more sustainable. You know, I can tell you from coming from an industrialized farming background, the, the farming methods now are not, are not going to be sustainable. Right. I mean, with the amount of herbicides and pesticides and uh, the things that were done, you know, even when I was farming. It's right. Yeah. I grew up in a, in an area the same way here in Kentucky. Yeah. I grew up on a Kentucky, horse farm. Yeah. So, but at the same time as all of my neighbors, you know, they've raised farm and tobacco and everything else. And there's corn and soy and everything all around us. And it's, you know, just knowing what goes on in, you know, in nature versus what's going on in our society now, too. So I yeah. think there's definitely uh, some some major things that we need to look at and just use some logic. Yeah, Buy, buying locally produced, mm-hmm. you know, is really good, and just doing some research and finding out, you know, how, you know, where does your food come from? Right. Look, look to see where your food comes from, and, and make the choice to buy locally. And if everyone did that, then uh, that would be that would make a big difference. Mm-hmm. Really, I mean, I just saw on the news that. 
we're growing chickens here. We're going, we're thinking about sending them to China to get packaged. And then China sends them back here to, to, to be sold. So we're outsourcing the pack. We're growing the chickens here and actually literally sending them to China and then back here to sell them. Uh, Does that make sense at all? Makes no. Uh, I thought it was a joke. Actually, someone told me that I looked it up and these things are really happening. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I and really, I guess going into that, and this was a little, I guess, off topic from where I was going. But then talking about, I guess, the gut biome. So looking about, yeah. so when we're looking at where we are locally. So my co-host, who's in Arizona, she's going to have a different gut biome typically than I am here in Kentucky and Cincinnati area. So mm-hmm. what even locally grown there is not even if it's, you know, whatever if it's kale that was grown there versus kale that's grown here is going to be completely different, which probably is not going to be out there based upon their, their climate and stuff. So, you know, I, I'm, to me, our, our biome and our gut biome is, is a product of where we are, but it's kind of gotten out of place because now we've got products that are, you know, you can get avocados all year round because they're sent from all over the world or whatever it is. And it's, I guess our gut biome is kind of now just from everywhere. Yeah, that's a hot topic and something that we're interested in. And I know the gut biome can differ between rodents and humans, but we're going to look at the gut biome in our in our rodent studies. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a paper, a couple papers came out, and the ketogenic diet kind of produces a favorable shift in the gut flora uh, that could be, you know, thought to be beneficial. And um, there's, I know another a number of journals that are recently starting up, uh, you know, the, the gut biome brain connection. And, and there's a couple gut biome journals that are coming. It's a hot topic. And I think it, it, it needs to be further explored and investigated. I know the military is actually interested in this, um, too, because even as it relates to psychological health, uh, my understanding is that the ketogenic diet, produces favorable shifts in the, the gut biome uh, as far as, you know, uh, producing more helpful bacteria. Uh, and, and that is, the, the ketogenic diet is, is pretty high in uh, probiotics or in, in fiber, can be high in fiber, and mm-hmm. a well-constructed ketogenic diet. And I think that can aid the person in producing and maintaining the gut flora that optimizes gut health from my perspective. And I, I, I feel like since I weaned myself off, and this goes back years ago, wheat-based products or carbohydrate-based products, my my uh, my gut health has been remarkably well. I've had no gut issues, no, no GI issues at all. Yeah. And, and I did growing up. I did uh, high-carb diet, uh, even had issues like inflammatory issues like eczema mm-hmm. that completely went away when I shifted away from eating primarily mostly pasta and bread. Right. Yeah. So. Same, same here. And yeah, I've mm-hmm. dealt with that growing up the same way. And yeah, it's major, major changes. Just how you feel, how everything It's like, I feel now at 46, a whole lot younger than I actually am. I feel, I actually yeah. feel younger now than I did even 10 years ago. Yeah, but, you yeah. look it too. You're on 46. Well, thanks. Appreciate <laughs> that. So, um, and I know we're going a little bit longer here than I originally planned, but I've got a few more questions here. If we got, if sure. you've got a few minutes to kind of go over it. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, so when we're talking about with the ketogenic diet, you know, there's I guess one of the big 
things that everybody talks about is, oh, I feel like crap for a while, or it's, you know, it's like, it's like I just lose all my energy and stuff. So really, how long does it kind of take before you start seeing those kind of those things go away, but then also how long does it take to kind of get into a lot of the majority of the benefits of a ketogenic diet? Mm-hmm. I, you know, you get benefits almost within the first 24 hours. I mean, just measure glucose. Take someone with type 2 diabetes or strict mm-hmm. carbohydrates, mm-hmm. you know, on Monday and Tuesday, their their glucose levels are going to be improved, no doubt. And, and that that's going to produce physiological effects that are positive. So you start getting benefits almost immediately. Most people do. And then you get side effects. You have what I'd say glucose withdrawal in the mm-hmm. brain. Your brain is craving glucose. And it takes a while to upregulate the mechanisms the for your body's ability to produce ketone, to transport ketones, and also to, you know, metabolically derive energy from ketones. This is a process and you know Jeff Volk calls it keto adaptation, and mm-hmm. I think that's a good term, that occurs over weeks to months. And I think that someone who – there was a recently a study, I think, in, in off-road cyclists that were on the diet for four weeks. And I would like to see the same study done over four months and even a year because from my personal experience and from people that I've witnessed who have transitioned to this way of eating, they continue to derive more benefits from the ketogenic diet the longer they're on it. So you have the benefit of getting results immediately and then dealing with some uncomfortable side effects that I think can be largely mitigated by adding things like MCT oil mm-hmm. or ketone supplements. Uh, Keto Force is a product by Prototype Nutrition that I would recommend. It's essentially a pure uh, ketone salt that can be uh, consumed, added to, added to MCT or uh, mixed mixed in various ways to be palatable, and that can help with the brain fog the first two three weeks, and uh, after that, I think you know it can be used sparingly. You can you know use it to enhance your exercise performance, and and that can help. But I think making sure that the fat content is high too. Mm-hmm. So in the beginning, ensuring a lot of people are just scared to eat that much fat. Right. But I think you got yeah. to you know transition and just make sure you're getting a fat because the fat is what's going to make the ketones your body fat makes ketones too but right. i think it's, it's better to to nutritionally add it into the diet and and ensure carbohydrates are low enough to convert to that and it, it's a process though but i'd like to emphasize that the longer you stay in ketosis the more benefits you derive from it okay so that's, that's an important take-home message so when people say they tried the ketogenic diet and it didn't work they're like, you know, I did two or three weeks and I just couldn't tolerate it, you know, but they didn't check ketones with a meter like this right. and they didn't check urine ketones. So they're just, they just tried a low-carbohydrate diet, which is probably a low-carb, high-protein right. diet, which made them hypoglycemic. <laughs> right, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. So, and I, and I have one of the meter, one of the blood meters myself, and then uh, the yeah. urine sticks, how accurate are they compared to, you know, so if somebody's wanting just a general test yeah. they want to see there versus, you know, going and buying a meter or whatnot? Yeah. That's a good question. What I tell people is that if I tell people to get the blood ketometer, because that's very useful, but to use the cheap sticks that you can get for like, you know, 10 bucks buys you a hundred or so, at, you know, the nearest Walgreens or CVS. 
and start the ketogenic diet and start once you start getting measurements on those sticks that you're in ketosis then you can start using the blood ketometer and then you'll know you'll start getting some numbers otherwise if you're just experimenting right off the bat and start checking your blood you're using a lot of uh money there yeah. <laughs> uh, the, they, they, they range from two dollars to like six bucks per strip so i would confirm that you're in ketosis first with the urine ketone okay. uh, strips and then start checking blood you might want to do it like once every week or you know twice a week mm-hmm. uh you know so every monday you know or whatever you, you check and, and you, you do it at the same time you tend to get lower ketones in the morning and ketone levels, if you maintain you know, the same kind of eating pattern throughout the day, ketone levels will sort of peak towards the, the night. Um, in the morning, cortisol tends to be higher and that tends to stimulate gluconeogenesis. So you're, you're, you know, you, you have, uh, it can, can kick you out of ketosis. Okay. So just keep that in mind. Uh, I like to check mine in the middle of the afternoon. Usually now between Four o'clock and eight p.m. is when I'm really starting to hit, you know, high ketone levels. I just did a, a breath acetone and I'm in moderate ketosis right now. I'm about one or two point five millimolar of ketones right now. Okay, cool. And uh, so I guess with uh, looking at this as far as from a high high intensity from an exercise perspective, since that's a lot of our audience here as well. What are we looking at from like a thyroid function? What are we looking at from, you know, the ramping up time frame, you know, getting used to being in ketosis and exercise and, you know, the high intensity interval training, what type of things like that? And, you know, maybe even hormone production. Yeah. So a question I get does, will this screw up my hormones? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, well, you know, what kind of exercise should I do (laughs) do or, or, you know, will, will my high-intensity exercise be impaired by restricting carbohydrates? These are all good questions. And I think it comes down to the individual, and it really needs to experiment. But I can tell you what feedback and research has told me, uh, that the longer you're in ketosis, the better you're able to uh, exploit ketones as uh, fuel for exercise, including high-intensity exercise. If I was like an MMA fighter or a sprinter or, uh, I don't know, let me think, you know, just uh, uh, even a mountain biker where it's you have really hard bouts of, of high intensity, I would, my approach would be to maintain a ketogenic diet and use glucose or carbohydrates as an alternative fuel intra-workout or after-workout. So uh, in, in low to moderate amounts, you know, 25, 50, maybe 100 grams of carbs, uh, spread out throughout the event, uh, but but by staying in ketosis, you're forcing your body to really effectively oxidize fatty acids for fuel, and and I think there's major advantages to that. In regards to hormone production, and I get this a lot, and it's 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 kind of difficult for me to answer because I say. People will say, well, I did a ketogenic Ben Greenfield was actually one. And, you know, his thyroid got messed up, uh, he said, and a couple other people. But And I asked them, what are they doing? And they're at the peak of their training, <laughs> for one thing. So mm-hmm. my my opinion is that these individuals are overtraining, grossly overtraining, and they're calorie-restricted. So even if they're in ketosis, calorie restriction will you know, start to uh, push your thyroid levels down. And overtraining is a surefire way 
to decrease your, your thyroid. Right. So what does this do? This makes you more metabolically efficient. So it allows you to conserve energy. You know, an evolutionarily hardwired system is put into play. So these are metabolic adaptations that are very, can be favorable for mm -hmm. our system as a whole. Uh, one way to mitigate this problem, I think, would be to ensure that we're getting enough calories, <laughs> calorie restriction, a lot of, and and to to periodize the training in a way that prevents overtraining. Really, so work with a good person who can program your training, who knows your body, who can avoid the overtraining sy syndrome. One of them would be hormone suppression of thyroid and. Uh, and I think it's important to acknowledge too that these are things that happen, you know, with with elite athletes. Uh, I think even Jeff Volek was telling me we just met recently. He's basically always all, uh, most of his guys that are in the study, uh, and and other people have told me this too that their testosterone is suppressed, mm -hmm. you know, to hypogonadal levels, and. Uh, and that's interesting since some of them are, are very, very muscular guys and their testosterone is like pushed through the floor. They're really low. But I think also what's going on is that exercise enhances androgen receptor density on the surface of your muscle. So a little bit of testosterone, your body is very sensitive to that. So, you know, the, the, the level of testosterone that could preserve and maintain a 200 pounds guy of lean body mass you know, uh, is much less in someone who's trained than someone who's sedentary because right. their sensitivity to anabolic hormones, including insulin, you know, IGF-1 and, mm. and, and uh, testosterone, are, are much higher, you know, being in a trained state. That's thunder, by the way. I don't know if you could oh. hear that. That's... So in Tampa, it's like World War Three at <laughs> 4 o'clock every p.m. because we get more lightning strikes than any place on the planet, I wow. think. <laughs> so it's yeah that's if you hear a lot of noise in the background it's the uh daily thunderstorms we get uh so that's my thoughts on that uh, okay. people who say they have thyroid issues need to look at their overall calorie and make sure they're they're getting lots of fat in their diet mm -hmm. and also ensure that they're not overtraining and almost every single person that has came come to me with thyroid issues they are under eating mm -hmm. <laughs> they're not getting enough fat in and they're overtraining in my, in my opinion. Uh, now, with that said, uh, a little bit of carbohydrates intra-workout, mm -hmm. you know, maybe a way, if they're going to continue restricting their calories and overtraining, a little bit of carbohydrates intra-workout may be a way to mitigate some of the, some of the effects so by increasing insulin. Yeah. So, so have you looked at like some of those, uh, you know, obviously one of the big hot topics now in the industry is resistant starch and I've used the gen you can generation you can with, um, mm -hmm. you know, obviously Bob Sebahar and Jeff Volick and everybody's been involved with the generation you can, which is that, you know, that, uh, that high molecular weight, you know, low osmolality type of carbohydrate yeah. that kind of titrates that carbs into your system, allows you to more to stay in there. And then. Obviously, I guess the more, the longer you're in ketosis, the more carbohydrates you can stand and you don't necessarily, it's not going to kick you out as much depending on the, the type of, I mean, if you're using other things like MCT and yeah. all the other things, it'll kind of mitigate some of those carbohydrates you take into. 
I think there's advantages to that. What I would recommend is that a person train in nutritional ketosis to to mac to optimize their body's ability to uh, to oxidize fat, and not to train with these things, you know. But to do a couple experimental runs prior to the main event, if they're training for a particular event, to use the resistant starch, the UCAN products, or or even ketone supplementation mm-hmm. uh, to understand, you know, how it works. But if they're using these things on a daily basis during their training, they're they're not going. And I've done this, uh, the the UCAN products and and the the resistant starch. They're they're going to maintain a level of ketosis that's not optimal, mm-hmm. and so. I would, you know, train, set up your training so you're you're going like two, three months, staying in ketosis, and you know, six weeks leading up to it, do a couple trial runs on the weekend or whenever you do, uh, to to assess your body's ability to to use these things as alternative fuel to the ketone and fatty acids. And I think you start low, you know, 25, 50 grams mm-hmm. of the resistant starch, and then kind of work up from there. Okay. Uh, that that's what I would cool. recommend. Uh, and MCT too. You don't you don't want to do a trial run of MCT on the day you're running a marathon because a <laughs> yeah. lot of people have violent GI reactions to MCT. Yeah. Uh, and even the uh, Keto Force products out there uh, can cause some GI issues. So it's important to. Now that product, I think, from my experience, when I the more I take it, the better my ability to kind of digest. The, the ketones and use them. I, I create a higher tolerance by using it over okay. time. So cool. So we'll put a yeah, we'll put a link to that kind of in the show notes and stuff as well. As yeah. Well as, you know, kind of some of the other stuff as well as your um, your website that we talked about. And I'm not and I obviously want to be respectful of your time, but this has all been great information. And it's like I could sit here and talk about this for hours. Is is since that's your also your topic, I'm sure you could as yeah, well. Yeah, love it. Thank you. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> Anyway, I guess just to kind of finish up here, as far as for somebody who's looking at investigating, getting into a ketogenic diet actually for just their daily performance, for fat loss, for uh, you know just overall mental performance, however you want to look at it for overall health, not necessarily they're even training at somebody, what would you say is the kind of the best way for them to get started? Uh, I would recommend the, the books that I mentioned previously, The Art and Science of Low-Carbohydrate Living mm-hmm. and The Art and Science of Low-Carbohydrate Performance. Uh, I would tell them to, if they're interested in the ketogenic diet, to check out the ketogenic diet resource. Okay. Uh, I think that's a great uh, – it was actually – I found that early on when I was – and it continues to be one of the best resources out there. Uh, and just to self-experiment, you know, to go buy some urine ketone strips and get a blood ketone meter and honestly assess, you know, how you feel in the ketogenic diet and give it some time. So Mm -hmm. let the diet, let ketosis do its thing and keep in mind that you're forcing your body to physiologically change from a carbohydrate-based metabolism, if that's what you eat, mm-hmm. to fatty acid and ketone metabolism. And it's not something that occurs overnight. It's something that occurs over weeks to months, and the longer you do it, the more benefits you derive from it. Okay. So that needs to be understood and appreciated as you right. embark in this <laughs> process. Right. Well, great. Well, I appreciate it. And then uh, if you can just want to one more time here, kind of repeat how they might be able to get in touch with you as far as from your website. What was your website again? 
Uh, yeah, it's it's not. It, it's a website that I just compile information on, okay. and there's also some uh, there's doctors there who understand how to use this approach for uh, therapeutic purposes, and there's also consultants on there, okay. and some book books uh, that are on there. So ketonutrition.org. Okay. Uh, I I guess Facebook. I have a you know Facebook. I keep kind of active. I always post something on there pretty much every day, usually research related or science related. Uh, and I think, you know, my faculty profile, you can put a link okay. uh, in the show notes on that. And then that has kind of my email and contact information Great. and the research that I'm doing, you know, is also on there and publications, Great. that sort of thing. Wonderful. Well, I, I definitely appreciate the time that, that you took here with us today and uh, going over This is great information. And uh, I know I'd be happy to I'm looking forward to getting this podcast out there. We'll probably have it out there later today or tomorrow. So it'd be oh, okay. great. I really, uh, right. really appreciate it. Um, any, uh, any last things as far as that you can think of that I may have missed on or anything like that? Is uh, you know, I think I think we hit a lot of topics. I, so uh, I, I do think I'd like to put out that this is. I've only been in this field for a short time, you know, okay. as a junior investigator, you know, really intensely in the last maybe three, four years. And I've seen it expand rapidly. And I can predict that uh, it's going to get more popular just based on the amount of science that's being done now and grants that are coming through and funding this kind of research. And it's almost always le- leading to a positive effect. So I think you're on the cutting edge. So you're giving your listeners information that they're gonna, that's really not going to become mainstream in about four or five years. So I think I think your listeners can really garner a lot of information from, uh, well, hopefully this, but but the the resources that I provided out there and just doing a little searching on Google and just finding out more about the ketogenic diet, the benefits of it. Very, very cool. I appreciate it. Yes. And uh, I'll get the get the stuff up and we will okay. uh, we'll kind of take it from there. And then maybe sometime uh, if there's any new research or things like that, since we're uh, friends on Facebook, maybe we can also uh, at some point in time do a little bit of a follow up or something from there then. That would be great. All right. Well, Thanks I, for having me, Ryan. Yeah, I, I really appreciate it. So uh, until then, I guess uh, from on the Fitness Nerds podcast, you can find us over at facebook.com slash fitness nerds podcast our website fitness nerds podcast.com so uh we look forward to seeing you on the next podcast so i appreciate it thanks tom thanks ryan